1: What's up, y'all? I'm Amanda Seals, and listen, I get it. We're in some serious times, so I think some of y'all forgot I'm a comic. She had them jokes. I mean, you forgot I had a whole HBO comedy special. Ivy. Ivy, Ivy. You forgot I showed love to how black women give compliments. Okay, polka dots! <laughs> and shade to how white women move in corporate America. Stop CCing all these unnecessary people on these guys I get it. We've been cooped up for a long time. That's why the Amanda Seals Black Outside Again Comedy Tour is coming to a city near you. Go to AmandaSeals.com today and get your tickets so we can laugh and learn our way through this madness together.
0: How black am I gonna have to get? Starbanks Avenue, a podcast network. She used to do meth. He used to not know what was going to happen on tonight's episode of Game of Thrones. <laughs> Fucking spoiler. <laughs>
1: uh, fuck. You're listening to Mormon and the Meth Head. Fuck!
0: If you put a Mormon and a Meth Head together, this is what they sound like. Aaron Woodall and just a reader. Listen to them talking to Mike So the last several Sunday Well I guess every single Sunday There's always a period of time Where uh, I know Like I can't get online Even if I'm going to watch it at the earliest possible time, there's like always people on the East coast that are watching it before me. And they are, uh, like posting about it immediately. Like people are like the second an episode starts, they're like live tweeting it out. And I know this and I know every Sunday I say, I'm not going to get on my phone until I watch game of Thrones. The last couple Sundays have been harder because, uh, we like doing shows or like we got stuff. It's going to be a minute. But, like, I know, I know I'm not going to get on my phone. And I say it a million times. I won't get on my phone. And then, inevitably, uh, I put my phone in my hand at some point in the evening. Yeah. And the second it's in my hand, my thumb opens Facebook. And, uh, like, just out of habit. And then yep. the second Facebook's open, it's like, Game Off Throne. Spoilers everywhere. I do it every fucking week.
1: I hate people that are like, oh, spoilers about a show that's been out for a year. I don't even like it. Like, don't be whining on Wednesday. But this year, it's like, I don't, this is my first year watching Game of Thrones. Yeah, I love how
0: you're in the conversation. It's wonderful. (laughs)
1: Um, But can we at least respect time zones like fucking can 3 hours can we get 3 hours until it's airing on our side of the country like that's bananas
0: i know it's uh it is weird tv we don't have the same spoiler rule like everyone when endgame came out there were memes for months in advance but like hey guys remember not to spoil endgame remember like the cast uh, did a whole series of psas like everyone was like if you spoil Edgate for me i'll kill you but i guess it's cuz a movie everyone sees it at a different time and like this is the tv show that airs at a certain time but you're right like time zones at least yeah Can it, we get- it,
1: at the fucking minimum also uh we're not all watching at the same time. TV's different. So I think 24 hours is fair, but also... If you just
0: waited until tomorrow morning, if you wait until Monday morning...
1: Or there people, are private groups where there you... Are, there are that so I many places unfollow, on the- So I open up my thing and it's just posts from that private group. You're but I already
0: can- following Game of Thrones uh, meme groups?
1: <laughs> uh, like discussion groups.
0: Oh, okay uh yeah that's the other thing too and like when it comes to sp- uh like you want to talk about it and it's like there's so many parts of the internet where you can go and yeah. have a conversation about yep. this but you uh, want
1: to get your hot take on the fucking record before anyone else is and the you're like that Sansa, you're
0: it. Blah, 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 blah. and uh i'm like the I episode can... just started man how are you already post just watch the episode and it's just i feel like people are so dead like fucking start for attention that they're like oh I gotta make sure I get my Facebook joke out there about Game of Thrones first so that my friends can like and comment on it and it's like fucking grow up <laughs> get a podcast <laughs> and deliver an hour long sermon on your thoughts <laughs> the next day like <laughs> I do <sighs> if
1: you are in the Game of Thrones you are missing out on the weekly Aaron Woodall. Game of Thrones recap? Is it a recap? Is it a? Is it just commentary? I'm doing my first one this week, so yeah.
0: Jessa, the the it's like we've been come down to this. It's like finally he
1: he caught me up on Game of Thrones. I did not even watch it, and he was like, "You have to catch up on Game of Thrones because I want to make a Patreon uh, series." about game of thrones and then he caught me up on game of thrones and we looked at our calendar and we're like the one uh, month that we're not together almost every weekend so it's
0: just been me and my roommate doing (laughs) it (laughs) it's like i'll be damned if i'm not sharing my hot takes (laughs) my flaming (laughs) hot cheeto takes but uh we did this is the second episode we're gonna watch together but the first time that we'll get to do a uh uh An episode, knock on wood. Uh, Yeah, we got kicked out of the last hotel. Yeah. So, um, uh, anyway, we just got done with the show in Olympia. We did Tacoma last night and Olympia tonight. And I have to apologize for my voice. It's doing okay right now. It was pretty hard during the show. Tomorrow we have six podcasts to record. And I hope that I still have a voice Hopefully, I'm not screaming at at the TV later as we watch uh Game yeah, of Thrones. Yeah, to let Earth. it rest.
1: <laughs> We're about to take uh 2 months uh off, so we got to get uh 2 months worth of podcasts recorded mm-hmm. in a, in a day.
0: Mhm. Uh tonight and I just oh, I just feel kind of
1: melancholy
0: melancholy maybe a little bummed i don't know there's and the show wasn't bad but it was just like it didn't make me feel any better so stand up is a, is a weird job cuz it's kind of so sometimes it's like a drug and you just feel great and other times uh the the magic doesn't work and you're like oh this didn't cheer me up at all i still feel shitty
1: and i think that it is an easy place to project uh like negative self talk and it's easy, especially like watching you do it and being like all the times that I ever was just bummed that I bombed and like, I hadn't actually bombed, you know, it was like maybe not my best performance, but in my head I'm like, they hate me. They only like Aaron. They want me to get off the stage, you know? And then yeah. later they're like, I loved it.
0: Like, uh, we did. We talk after the show and like, uh, you know right after the show we have to meet everybody and sell t-shirts and stuff so it like takes a while uh for us to like uh, before we get to like analyze it ourselves and tonight was really funny cuz we were both like i just felt uh kind of bummed by tonight's performance and Jess was like yeah me too and i was like yeah uh i just felt like the whole time they didn't like anything i said and they just only like your jokes and they only wanted you to be on stage and they wished I would get off stage. And Jess was like, uh, <laughs> no, that's how I felt. Like they loved you right out of the gate. They were laughing all your stuff. They didn't just knew the exact uh, time on the clock that she got a laugh. She was, <laughs> she was like, I didn't get a laugh until 837. <laughs> <laughs> and like we just as we just like broke down uh, notes together. We just like uh, watched the same things happen, but wrote different narratives in our head about it. Like I was convinced that the front row of people left because of a joke that I told. And that they hate, they were offended, that they asked for refunds, that they uh, stormed out uh, and were so mad. And I was like so bummed about it the whole entire time. And then uh, Jessa wrote a different narrative in her head about the same people.
1: Yeah, I was just like they didn't like the format. Because we are doing stand-up together for the most part now. I think Atlanta is the only show recently uh, because it's hard to do it together. And at the end of that last tour, we did Atlanta separately to kind of reward ourselves well, yeah. for all of the hard Job work. Job well done. It feels like stand up we uh were pretty good. We're pretty good stand ups. Um Aaron's better some than say, I am. Some
0: might say great stand ups.
1: Uh yeah, kind of top of our game, maybe. And then you finally I feel like in the last year I I got really close to like Um, being able to handle any audience and like, you know, uh, have a good show, almost every show. And then now it's like, okay, we'll try to learn a completely new skill set that involves uh, another person intuitively knowing when, you know, we don't have a plan. We don't have a set list. We're like living in the moment, which is your style, not my style. And so like learning uh, that, but then also like learning how to bring those two styles together and uh, it's kind of a live podcast, but not. And then also like if it's an audience that doesn't know us, then we have to do it one way as opposed to a, a podcast audience S- that, you know, that has heard some of these stories. And so we got to tell uh, different stories and be less introductory. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. But anyway, you thought that the people in the front row were leaving oh. cause, uh, uh, I uh, thought they didn't like the format. They didn't like the format. And they yeah. were like, we thought this, you, you were like, uh, they were probably uh, Sam's Sam Miller's friends and he told them it was going to be a stand-up comedy show and now they're leaving uh, because uh, they are disappointed in this product or whatever. And it was neither of those things. We both felt bad about it for the entire show and it was neither of those things. It was just like that old guy that was with them had to leave and they went up to the owner to like apologize for leaving or something like that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, they're getting there money refunded or something and we just like projected this uh negative thought about the show throughout uh, all of it on top of doing like all the new stuff i think that maybe we're just also more prone to the insecurities because everything that we're doing is new right now yeah in the end like it is a nice show that we think now that we've talked through it
1: Yeah, I think we definitely caught a stride. And I think even it's just so different than stand up when you're doing just stand up by yourself. The laughs are bigger. They're just bigger and they're longer. And what I noticed tonight is. It felt like they truncated some of the laughs. Um,
0: Yeah, well, we're definitely creating a different entirely different show. Yeah. Um, and uh we, this is like more of a of of a smiling show right yeah like where we purposely broke down our jokes to be less jokey and more conversational and every it's the what I said dude to is like my body's been trained to the response of laughter yeah it and it it's a dopamine hit and to not get the same number of big laughs because Mm -hmm. it's a different format, even though I feel like most of my brain knows that they're not supposed to laugh this, you know, like we're doing something different. We are. And like today, tonight, uh, just this weekend, we started doing Q and a sessions with the audience. Like, We just like let them dictate what we're going to talk about. Like ask us a question. And tonight we got like some serious questions and we commented about how great it was. Like the, this is the show that we want is that like, like our podcast, it can go back and forth from being funny and serious. And we can take a minute to like, just talk about something seriously. And, uh, we like that. We want that. My brain knows that this is good, but Something my body feels different when they're not laughing. I'm addicted to it. I need it. Need it. It was me slapping my arm. Sound effects. School. Interesting. No, I am.
1: So tonight it was like a little, little clunky getting off the ground, and then I think the Q and A is good because then. They feel part of the conversation,
0: and it's definitely more improvised, and uh, like allows for more like banter, like uh, riffing with the audience, which I really like. Yeah, it's cool.
1: Which is something I'm usually completely afraid of. So mm-hmm. it's a it'll be a good skill set.
0: Thinking okay. about the stuff that like my bo- the, the, the that I miss though, I like about sharing the stage and doing this other thing, like it feels like. Stand up used to be the place where I always felt good and confident. And like, I, the anxious, th- uh, train of thoughts in my head that's always there goes away on stage. And I'm like in control and in command. And, uh, now that we're doing something different and I have like, uh, to go back and forth and like, uh, uh, there's way more opportunities for me to fuck stuff up. And while you're talking, um, like that anxious train of thoughts is just running and it's like thinking about the last thing I said and the next thing I'll say and what like what I should be doing and it's just like, whew, like I get on, I get on stage to feel better. And yeah. I just am I'm like regular me now. Fuck. Um, uh-uh.
1: comedy is the opposite for me. It's like I am pretty confident in life, and so insecure about stand up. And I had a hate-hate relationship with comedy for a long time, I hate, to where I was like, "Why do I fucking do this?" That's like, what I was I just about to ask hate. you.
0: If you don't feel good, like that, feel like that's everyone else does it because it's a drug, man.
1: Um, I felt like I was I had a talent, and I would just avoid it. And like if you, uh, I didn't pursue it for years, I would get gigs. And was constantly trying to quit and then would just get gigs that came after me. And I wouldn't book anything because I hated it. it would be in the beginning. It's like I would stress for a month before a gig. Every time I thought about the fact that I had to do a show in a month, I was like, my stomach would turn. And the I would get migraines driving the gigs from the, the anxiety about getting on stage. And then for the first few years that I did stand up, open mics probably would have fixed this maybe. I don't know. But open mics to me were worse than like more nerve wracking than a regular show. I would uh, get on stage and it wouldn't get better. People are like, oh, once I get a laugh, I'm fine. And that was not the case. I would be nervous through the entire fucking thing. And things that I don't think or believe about myself, I think and believe when I'm on stage. When I'm on stage with you, though, I'm really only nervous about what you think. And because I feel like I'm not alone up here on stage and then I do a lot think like they don't they're either uh they don't like me they're waiting for Aaron or you already went up and I'm like they like Aaron and they hate me like those are the the two things that I think and if you're on stage with me I'm just like well they like Aaron better but he's here so it's fine I'm with
0: this cool guy
1: (laughs) it's fine and and if it's bad for both of us we're going through it together and it's fine and so I'm only ever like like preoccupied with whether or not you think I'm doing a good job And then it's actually made it quite a bit less stressful. But I have the same thing where it's like I was already really good at stand up and now I'm I'm learning a new skill, which for which is is very outside of my. Mm
0: -hmm. It is just like, I mean, obviously we're doing the right thing because. Who doesn't who wants to just it safe forever and do, and never learn new skills I feel like exactly a, in every job in every career you get to a point where you're great at it and then you you take a risk and you do something different you do something new you learn you know everybody's got stuff like that so I'm like we're gonna be better it's just uh uh stand up is is in addition to being a job also the source of all of my self-worth. <laughs> <laughs> that you know, like I do it for money, but also so that I uh will feel good. I do it to to uh be happy and uh so it's like oh what am I gonna do now? Like get a, a hobby? Is this like I gotta I don't know be a good dad? I don't <laughs> fucking know, dude. Jeez Louise. Huh. Anyway, I uh I thought you were amazing though last night and tonight, uh, you did things that you, uh, like I like what well, you just said. That you spent a month th- thinking about your mental blocks, and I could tell that you overcame them. Just like you had problems telling uh like parts of a joke before. Yeah. You're like I because you're like I've I've got this joke memorized, and I tell it just like this, and I can't just I can't do this without this part. Um, and we're doing like a much more, uh, relaxed format and it wasn't, it wasn't jiving with it. And last night, uh, there were multiple occasions where you told just the end of your joke or just the beginning of your joke. Then last night you closed on a brand new closer, something you never do. Like you never used that as your closer before, and it's yeah. a joke that, uh, like I know, like makes you nervous sometimes. And you did it as your closer, and I was like, Whoa, that's a bold like wrist, uh, that you took. And it was, uh, it was fantastic, it was great. Thank you. I think we're definitely getting better at it. Uh, it's gonna be, we got, uh, we're gonna do Portland and. I mean, I don't know, like Boise and stuff in the summer. Like, it, we, I
1: think it's going to be tight as fuck after Boise because we're going to be in the same city doing it multiple times a night.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, it was nice to come back to Olympia, uh, see Sam Miller again. You guys uh, remember from his interview, and uh, we got this. There was. Uh, several like o- old fans like people from the last time but mostly new people yeah our friend our super fan who gave us the weighted blanket and a uh, sp- uh, speaker he, uh he was back and you know we were able to give our reviews
1: of the of the so we had the weighted this blanket for- changed
0: my life well for first of all the weighted blanket was for jessa like <laughs> both both the blanket both the blanket and the speaker were for jessa but i took the blanket <laughs> And I was like, br- he, he was like, hey, Jessa, how was the blanket? And I was like, hey, it changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for giving it to Jessa.
1: <laughs> um, most of my anxiety is in the car. And so the blanket wasn't. Uh, I'm on the go. I'm taking my panic on the go. On the go. But. Um, Dude, you should the get speaker, a weighted woody.
0: Like, do you think they make those yet? That
1: would be Fantastic. <laughs> He and I were talking, though. So there's this thing that I do where I am prepared for the inevitability of hugs.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Please tell this.
1: Uh, So last time we were visiting, I think it was when I was leaving his we were leaving his house and he had just given us this these gifts and I was like, this is a hug occasion, right? Like, uh, this is when normal people hug Jessa, you need to hug this guy. Like, this is how my thoughts are. I am very preoccupied with whether or not I'm supposed to be hugging people. And a lot of times I end up attack hugging other non-huggers because I'm trying to get in front of the hug. Like, like I'm, I'm, I've psyched myself Better up for the hug. Better you than me, type I thing. I don't know. Like, uh, I think they're gonna hug me, and so I'm, I'm going in for what I think is gonna be a uh, a hug that they are ready for, and then they, uh, like he's not a hugger, and it was, it. He's a gift giver. That's that's his love language. I was like, you gave me gifts you want, a hug, I'm assuming, because I don't understand why you guys want to hug each other.
0: Yeah, you're just like trying to figure out this alien culture. Uh, You're doing your best.
1: Yeah, it feels good to hug you. It feels good to hug, like, my kids. I've learned to hug, like, my dad and stuff and been like, okay, this is cool. It feels good to hug people You know when I want to hug people is when they cry at our merch table. Like we get this a lot where people come up and they're like, you changed my life. And I like want to hug them, which is all new. I ordinarily would be like, oh, this is when I should hug them and I feel weird. But I like, like it feels natural to hug them now. But just like hugging is a hello or goodbye instead of shaking hands or fist bumping or something, It still doesn't make sense to me. But this felt like a hug occasion and I tackled him with this hug that he like his whole body froze, how mine used to freeze before I started trying to be good at hugs. And then I thought, sometimes people do that because they don't expect a hug from me because they're trying to respect my non-huggingness. But this felt like I know my people, you know, I know, uh, I know that feeling. And so he brought it up tonight because he has been uh, obsessing over it. Like I had really? been obsess- Yeah, he was just you like. Guys both play- replaying it in your yeah. heads for the last year? <laughs>
0: wonderful beautiful um, we got to go to commercial right now we we'll, uh, we'll come back we'll come back uh, in a second stay tuned yeah i knew that i didn't know it was cuz he lived in one yeah. okay,
1: all right. so
0: tonight on stage we talked about uh, my addiction to pornography and masturbation and like comparing it to heroin and they were very funny jokes but Is weird for me because, like, I realize that they're funny now. Uh, but I used to really think these thoughts. I used to really think that it that I was as that I was more addicted to masturbation than I, than like a heroin junkie was addicted to heroin. I thought I was on the same level of addiction, right? And all I was doing was just like what every. Person, person does, does. This
1: is like being i'm addicted to urinating
0: yeah oh my god i've got such a bad peeing problem i pee <laughs> i i can't go a day without peeing i i can't i've tried to quit peeing and i <laughs> i just cannot stop i hold it for as long as i can i pray to god i sing a hymn and then i just piss my pants in front of everyone It's just it's embarrassing that's exactly what it's like
1: can you get the email
0: yeah i was just pull i have it pulled up right now okay so um this, this broke my heart by the this, way. This uh I found this email uh that I wrote in two thousand and twelve. Uh, and it's a friend so the, the LDS Church has a twelve step program called Addiction Recovery Program. And it is in like technically it's for anything you any addiction you have like you the L you could be tweed uh treated at uh like the L with the LDS ARP program in the same meetings no I think they got different meetings for different people but like okay. the you know the big problem that they're having is pornography right the new drug right yeah fight the fight the new drug uh it is literally the old one of the I, know I was drugs. Gonna say. Uh, <laughs> You're like, yeah, yeah, we invented pornography. The millennials did it. We did it. But, like, I believed believed Fight the New Drug. Technically, uh, this could be for any addiction. But in, I don't know anybody who's gone to ARP for anything other than pornography. Right. Uh, That's, like, in Provo, there's meetings every single night of the week. You, You go to your, like, you know, porn support group, whatever. And I was going a lot at the... I guess like 2010, 2011, I think by the time I write this email, I'm like pretty much done going. I don't go very often if I'm going, uh, but like I still believed at that time that it was a problem, right? I just felt like, oh, I'm not getting a lot of help from these meetings, so I'm not going to go to them, but I still believed I was an addict at this time, and uh, someone asked me, uh, like, as, like as a person who's been to these meetings, you have suggestions on how to improve them, It's like a church employee or they're going to go speak or something like that. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll happily give you my thoughts. And that's what this email is. And uh, I started reading it as like, oh, like, isn't this weird that I used to think this? And Jessa was like, Aaron.
1: This is so sad.
0: (laughs) Well, they they give us the same language to use as was what you used in your meetings. So we all we use the same words and uh we take it just as seriously and it's bad so here's here's stuff from the email like i first i'm talking about like we need to encourage people to find sponsors uh because that's not something that's really encouraged in arp and uh all like now in 2019 i mean i get what i'm i know what i'm getting at like you want to have a friend someone that you can reach out to like we need to make it more personal and whatever but like Ugh. can you imagine like getting a phone call from a guy every time he thought about jerking off and you had to and you had you had to then stop jerking off to answer the phone and then talk him out of it and you're, Ugh! it would it's bad it's not gonna work man all right then the next paragraph i wish we could move away from the culture of stating how many days sober we are because it doesn't really show progress, you know I mean when you relapse, you go back to z- when you when you relapse. like see what I <laughs> oh my mean God. when you relapse by relapse, I mean uh, touch your penis <laughs> um when you relapse, you go back to zero days. and so your attempts seem futile because sure you can go a hundred days, but then if you relapse, you're right back where you started. but in reality, you've made huge progress in the last hundred days despite your relapse now, I know no one makes you say how many days sober you are. It's just that most people, coming, I mean, blah blah blah. I don't think it's a very beneficial habit in the long run. Does uh, is is that a similar sentiment to what do people in that with actual addictions feel this way about relapse?
1: We didn't. Um, in the fellowship I was in, didn't say how long you've been sober you celebrate clean time like you would get a 30-day key tag a 60-day key tag a 90-day whatever
0: but But, you don't say it at the start of your sharing no we'd go around the room and you'd be like hey my name's Aaron hi Aaron I am uh 45 minutes sober uh yeah only because this
1: meeting is 45 minutes long yeah (laughs) um no we also didn't T- like everyone didn't talk at every meeting. That sounds like some inpatient shit that I have been to. Dude, it's
0: way too long of meetings too. Especially when you like you're, it's it just goes on forever. We, yeah. we all we shouldn't all be allowed to share. We should have time limits anyway. But we would always say how many uh like days or whatever sober we were. Yeah, a lot and of people was, would
1: like weave it in because it's part of their story. But most meetings that I went to are an hour long, and so whoever can share, you raise your hand and ask if you can share. And then uh, you talk about whatever you want to talk about. But I I didn't like to talk in meetings. I hated it. Uh, how I actually stopped going to meetings was because I moved to Portland and there they call on you. And I went to meetings for like a few months and then was like, I can't. Uh, I don't want to talk. Yeah. You know, I uh, don't like it. It's social anxiety back then. So... But no, you didn't have to say that. That's like in movies, people do that. But yeah, that's I guess what we're that's basing probably on more, we, We've never been.
0: We've never been to an actual meeting, so we've just seen it on television. Do you guys so. sit in a
1: in chairs Absolutely. in a circle? Yep. Okay. That Metal also, folding chairs. Yeah, that's also. Uh, movie There's just shit. no
0: coffee at our meetings.
1: Oh, what a fucking nightmare! <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. uh, I I remember just being so disheartened by the fact that like. I never stayed clean for more than a few days. You know, I can't I, believe
1: you're calling it clean. Uh, I'm
0: just, that's what I used to call it, man. That's what the language is in the books. That's what the language we would use when we shared. And uh, you can't. It's so. I mean, you can't. Sh- there are people that do it, and you you know, nutted in November and congratulations. <laughs> but like, <laughs> dude, it is hard to not masturbate
1: when you're young
0: yeah yeah and when you're uh addicted to the shame cycle that your religious institution has put upon it yeah uh it's 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 bad dude but uh hmm i remember just i remember thinking thoughts this is before i went to these meetings this is like as a teenager when i was like obsessed with like how i'd never go on a mission i would think a lot, like when I would get, and this is what I mean about addicted to the shame part, like thinking just like all kinds of terrible thoughts. But I would think about how it would be better, how my life would be better if I cut off my penis, Jesus and then Christ. I, and then I wouldn't be able to masturbate anymore uh and then i would like be happier and like god wouldn't be mad at me and like i just wouldn't get to have a penis because i don't deserve one because i can't i stop abusing mine god, i really thought that it's a lot so
1: insane how damaging is it no wonder you have like a an inner voice that is so buff it's like because he had like my inner uh, voice is buff. Yeah, he's just strong. He's powerful. <laughs> that's like a weird spin on a recovery thing where it's they talk about your addictions doing push ups. And uh even when you're not like actively um thinking about using or using that your addiction is just in the background doing push ups. And that's how I see like your uh your inner critic is like he just fed so hard off of this very normal thing that you shouldn't have been ashamed of at all. And got such a stronghold during mm-hmm. a time where you felt yeah. like you were the worst piece yeah. of shit ever.
0: He's like, listen, if I could if I could convince him that the most normal thing is the worst thing, yeah. well, I can do anything. I can make this guy feel like shit after a great show. I yep. can make this guy feel like shit whenever I want. Yeah, I almost okay.
1: got him to cut his dick off.
0: I almost, yeah, you know how close <laughs> I was to getting him to cut his fucking dick off. I'm the greatest of all time.
1: You think I can't ruin this moment? <laughs> yeah,
0: I can. You know. Oh, man. My my inner critic is Alec Baldwin from <laughs> Glen, Geary, Glen Ross. Yeah. <laughs> What's your name? Fuck you. Oh, man. Uh, Wait, back to this email. All right. The biggest thing. This is the, my favorite. Fuck the missionaries that worked there. They had—I told you guys about this. They had old, uh, like, senior missionaries that uh, have no training, are not therapists, are not counselors. They're just uh, people from Farmington who got called <laughs> to this this uh, mission. The biggest thing that I think needs work in the program are the missionaries. The missionaries are great people, and I love them, and I could tell... That this is not... Yeah, this is... <laughs> just, all right, this honor is how, code stories. This, this is how <laughs> Mormons have to talk, you know? Also, like, I know how to write a a, a persuasive email. Like, I'm so surprised... Like, every time, like, somebody just engages in written communication, and they start out with just the things that they want, and I'm like, has no one taught you how to write? You have to always, like give compliments and then well, that's
1: the thing that we talked about with the honor code uh stories where they always say i love byu but i'm like yeah because otherwise people aren't gonna listen
0: mm-hmm. also i think a lot of them are still brainwashed i think I'd give them a couple more years and they'll be like i don't love you <laughs> i hate this fucking uh, thing i wanted uh, my credits back then. yeah the anyway the biggest thing that needs work are the missionaries right uh I sometimes wonder what kind of training they get. Whatever it is, I wish they would get more. <laughs> I would tell them that their message at the end of class is not important at all. <laughs> I mean, there have been times where I've gotten something out of it, but I'm really there to listen to everyone else. And nothing bugs me more than when a missionary ruins a great meeting by making sure he talks for 15 minutes when the meeting was supposed to be over five minutes ago. I, I hate. I cannot Tell you how much my life has improved since leaving church, simply because I'm no longer in meetings that go over. Like, <laughs> that's the most frustrating fucking thing. When sacrament meeting goes over, livid. Oh, so livid. Okay. Just like in the fucking meeting when you're supposed to. Well, I sent you that Wrap thing about up. the
1: lady who was like, "Why I I got rid of Eckhart Tolle or why I stopped following him?" And it's because she went to a meeting and they they said that it would end between nine and nine 30. And she was like, I need it to end at nine. The flyer says nine.
0: Yeah. Well, I, if I'm paying, like all those people paid, yeah, they were excited to see this man. And then, uh, he was like, I might, you know, even give you a longer show than you were expecting. Maybe depends on my health. Like depends on how I'm feeling. If I'm, uh, if I can keep going. And this woman was like, well, I'm just, I'm done. I'm never, I'm going to burn his books. I'm like, what? <laughs> that's totally different than when like you're at a church that you don't want to be like yeah. you don't want you want to just go home and we're just going to keep this keep this meeting running it's terrible anyway also sometimes the missionaries can say really insensitive things or just things that show they have no idea what addiction is i wish they had more standardized messages they could give at the end Like if they gave three to five ideas for teaching at the end of each chapter that could give the missionaries idea for a five minute message that would correspond with the chapter we read at the beginning. It's just awful when the missionary closes a meeting by sharing a story about his old neighbor who decided to quit smoking one day and then never smoked again. And I and quote, I know if he can do it, you can do it, too. I mean, really? There's not a single one of us in the room that has been able to just quit and never relapse again. It's just discouraging. They would just like, oh. they we would like all share about how much it sucked. And then they would be like, never right, smoked ever again. And you're like, great, man. Cool. I bet you never like, uh, ever like woke up in the middle of the night with like a cigarette uh, in your hands. <laughs> An erect, s- stiff cigarette in your hands. <laughs> and you had to wonder how much, how much more can I sleep and say that I did this while I was sleeping? Uh, I talk about like the group size. I talk about spouse program and, uh, like how the, what, what the changes can be made in the spouse program. It's just crazy that I cared about this program so much. It is a lot like honor code because yeah. I'm like trying to reform it, trying to, because I still believe like there is a problem that needs to be solved and like this is a great tool and if it was only just a little bit better and now I'm at a point where I'm like, there's no problem. The, the program's the problem. I think like that's how I feel about the honor code now. I'm like, there's really no problem. <laughs> Yeah. Just, they they had sex one time. Let them go to class, man.
1: We gotta hawk some jerky or something. I don't know, fucking uh, meat mail. It's commercial uh, <laughs> bread time. Meat mail. <laughs> what the fuck? Narcissism. Uh, favorite topic of mine. And I'm not talking about... People that when they think of narcissists, they think of people that take a lot of selfies or people who only care about themselves, but like true narcissism, like true narcissistic personality disorder is a specific set of traits of the worst people on the planet. The first time I ever encountered a narcissist was my sister's boyfriend a few years back. And that's the only example I can think of in recent past where I was so emotionally attached to an outcome that I shouldn't have been emotionally attached to. But my sister and I were best friends and her boyfriend, her and her husband split up. I don't want to tell too much of her business, but this dude comes along and he used to work at the car dealership where Jason worked when they were both salesmen. And Jason would tell me stories about this dude, how he was like, kind of Christian which Jason doesn't like Christians and then uh he would talk about fights that, that he and this dude would get into because this guy was like yeah my wife is the best she brings me my lunch and uh had a very like misogynistic view of women's roles in in the world and And
0: Jason would fight him for that? Jason hated That's that. Tight.
1: Jason hates like subordinate women, the idea of uh, I, one time Jason said, uh, I think I need a bitch that can be, but like also calls me a bitch. <laughs> yeah. I need a woman who is a partner and has a fucking mind of her own and is going to strategize with me to accomplish the goals that we want to accomplish. I can make my own fucking sandwich. Uh, it was one of my favorite things that he uh-huh. ever said. And so I didn't really like this dude, but, um, when my sister started working at that dealership, he like swept her off of her feet, which I now know is called love bombing. And at the beginning of a narcissistic relationship, these people gather information about you to use against you. This is everything you're paranoid about in the world exists in narcissists. Yeah. Yeah. So they gather information about you and then they build a personality for themselves around that so that you feel like, oh, my God, this is the person I've been looking for my entire life. And they have just gathered this information from.
0: Yeah, man. All right. So uh, I met a girl uh, like this a while back. I don't know if she was really narcissist because I didn't stick around long enough, but like uh jessa was constantly like huh, huh, this <laughs> red flag uh, <laughs> i think definitely the love bombing happened i don't know if you can love bomb and not be narcissist but she definitely like swept me up like immediately and just uh reflected me back and just yeah. was like everything that i said she would just be like yeah me too and like we uh like really fast were just like i don't know i i think i, I, I feel like i was tricked i was tricked and uh when i started to piece it back together like i remember her getting into this kind of uh weird shit that you and me would talk about yeah but then i but i'd be like on like the on the first time we talked i brought this shit up and you didn't know what the fuck it was Yeah. and now you're describing Oh yeah, she was describing like the upper outer. thing. Yeah. remember like this, this what? She, I, God, I've I've wiped so many details of this from my. <laughs> you memory. You would talk about but like she, your
1: higher self, and then she didn't remember the f- the phrase higher self. So she was like my upper outer. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, but like I was like I've talked. We talked. Why didn't you ever bring up this really crazy cool thing before this? And then uh, she was. I I believe she went through my phone or at least looked looked over my shoulder or something yeah. because then tried to say that uh she had a dream about you and like was describing uh the clothes you were wearing and stuff. Anyway, I did it did it smelled fishy. It smelled very fishy and it just got it got worse and weirder and like like it didn't work on me like it, i mean it was definitely working for a second but yeah. like, i was like i i could see where this is going also if you're uh, <laughs> if your goal is to try to trick aaron woodall into a relationship you've got your work cut out for you <laughs> like it's just not you know no matter uh how many passwords of mine you hack <laughs> It's you can access my my tax returns for the last <laughs> six years, and uh, you're not going to trick me into a relationship. Anyway, it got weird. It got really weird. I didn't really st- I, uh, stick around long enough to be like, uh, she's definitely uh, a narcissist, but it, w- she had some very strange uh, behavior. Was-
1: yeah, so a narcissist gets, uh, their whole thing is like supply. So they build you up, and then they tear you down. And then they feed off of the trauma that you experience as a result of that, and so they love bomb you in a relationship, and then they withdraw. And then, as they're withdrawing from you, you fall the fuck apart. And then they feed off of that. Yeah.
0: So if that if that was her plan, I just, I was just like, I beat her with the withdrawing part. Like I was just withdrawing. It's like you can't withdraw from me. I'm already gone. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> what's up but
1: um her reaction to that was pretty similar to um uh, when a narcissist loses their supply they go nuts they go fucking nuts my sister's boyfriend was awful and he did he did things to like separate her from us like separate her from our family and i remember at one point cuz i was just like i found out what a narcissist was while they were in this relationship the, he was also constantly lying constantly lying creating all these like they were just like plot lines from uh sons of anarchy you know but he's just like you know i was running guns and you know went to prison like as if we can't just like like jason and i don't know how to look up whether or not you've done time and we're like i mean you had DUI in the early aughts you know uh that's not running guns (laughs) at one point
0: i was driving under the influence of the, the the sons of anarchy
1: <laughs> <laughs> season four just was so fucked <laughs> up um at one point uh he told her a story about this is early in the relationship when i was like yeah i think this guy might be a douche dude cut cut and run
0: yes or narcissists is liars
1: huge liars they also can like so Trump is a, a textbook narcissist they can not admit that they're wrong like they cannot admit that they're wrong if you know a person who always finds a way at one point he uh like made a date with her and then didn't show up and what this dude was probably doing was just like jerking off to the text like confused text messages of her because this is early in the withdrawal phase it's like discarding is what they call it. And so uh, this fucking destroys you as a person. If you get pulled into one of these relationships, it it wrecks you in a way that you will feel the echo of for a decade. It's awful. Many people can't get out of these relationships because they destroy your self-esteem so bad. So the first time he did that, like made a date with her and then didn't show up. Like that's all by design. That's all to fuck your head up. And then, uh, I'm like, yeah, you got to get rid of him. I don't think I found out what a narcissist was yet, but I was like, I think this guy might be a scumbag. And she said, oh, he explained it to me because then they come back and love bomb me again. So you don't go anywhere. And she said, uh, he went to prison at one point. He took the rap for his cousin and, uh, and then his cousin got shot. And so now he's afraid to do nice things for people because, uh, <laughs> they might die. And I was like <laughs>
0: <laughs> Okay, all right, hold on. So you didn't show up to our date <laughs> because your fictional cousin um you went you went to prison. You went to prison for your cousin and while you were in prison your cousin was shot. Yeah. And s- the lesson you took from that <laughs> was I should stand up more bitches. <laughs>
1: It's such a stretch, and so, you know, but I, I guarantee he, like, told her that while she was in his arms, and, you know, I don't want to tell too many of the stories, because uh, I didn't get her permission ahead of time, but... <laughs> well, um, I... The,
0: this girl that I, uh, I've i just... I've, I've forgotten so much about her, and now uh, it's, like, fun to remember. Oh, I remember lots. Uh, there were a bunch of other dudes in her life that, like, based on the story, I feel like uh, she was maybe discarding them yeah and like i remember like hearing all this stuff and being like okay well you know these aren't these aren't great signs or whatever but i just i like that i uh you
1: present as just, a sad boy which is someone who would be a perfect candidate and then you're like oh no yeah this, but like i just it-
0: cannot be i do not appreciate being fucked with in any way and yeah. i'll i'll take it pretty uh seriously and uh i still i mean like i mean how many was it like a couple months that uh, i was talking to this girl it, and was, it was very just...
1: early in our fr- like we went to big sky and then it was we after had... big
0: sky and is before it was before so it was like it was like around thanksgiving or something uh, i met her off of tinder and uh like so had everyone else <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so there were like lots of stories about her anyway but like she was just on our first date was just like this magical this magical person that lined up with me so well and then uh just you know time went on but i just like to think that like that like i i discarded the person that was trying to discard yeah, like you no. like oh that was your plan oh too bad i already took all <laughs> and, it, and it uh drove it, uh Anyway, she did crazier and crazier stuff when I uh, was like, I because I I took I was like I I don't want this, and then uh, it just got worse and worse and worse. Well, she
1: at one point I think saw me as um, based on on uh, my sister's boyfriend saw me as the deterrent. Because I was actively campaigning I was sending her so many art. It ruined our friendship for a long time We were best friends before this dude came along And our relationship never got back to that
0: You and your sister
1: Yeah, even though I was right And was trying to you save You were her. sending her
0: articles about NPD Nar- Like as
1: soon as I found out what narcissism was I was like, dude, this is a checklist of 25 things He's all 25 things, dude Get out, get out We lived down the street from each other We had like gotten houses on the same block And we hung out every single night and then this dude came along and just wrecked everything. But so at one point he shows up to my house and Homegirl tried to do this. Like Homegirl saw me as a deterrent and then tried to get close enough to me to get things to... To, to split you and I up. Yeah. And all she did was start a group chat of discernment. So now there's two people going, yeah, none of this shit this bitch says lines up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was the
1: first time she tried to say something like, um, Jessa, the thing with me and Aaron, and then Aaron was like, whoa, speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I remember that. Oh, Oh my god, that was amazing! I remember that when, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was. She was trying to make a power move. She was trying to flex on you, yeah, uh, because she saw you as a, you know a threat moving in on her man, which you were, yeah. And uh, <laughs> he was mine and, first, and you were like, uh, you said. You said anyway, she just said the thing of the thing about me and Aaron, and just the fact that she's trying to group, yeah, uh, trying to group us up together to make us an an us thing, and it wasn't like she wasn't saying like the thing of me and Aaron as a couple. She was just like, uh, like l- her literal words were just like this, this is how me and Aaron think and operate. But like I could see exactly what she was trying to do with that. She's trying to. To like psychologically push you out and like make it like a, and I and I immediately called her out on it just yeah. like, right away. I was like, "Well, don't say anything like that ever again." <laughs> and then she was like, "Oh, well, I I, I, oh, well, I couldn't." Uh, and then
1: she would like message me privately and just like uh, inventory everything you had said to her and all the sweet things you said to her and like I knew what she was doing and um. I'd already dealt with someone like her, so I'm not going to lie and say she didn't get to me at certain points, but I was like, um, you seem like you would be the perfect victim of a narcissist, but uh, you already have to have, you're too obstinate, you're too obstinate, you have too much discernment, and so nothing they say is true, so the way that Trump reads is like, nothing he says feels true, and he's completely fucking incapable of admitting fault, and that would never work with you. You have You, have you to, need... You I need, need people
0: to say that they're sorry. I need people to say that they were wrong. If you don't, I, uh, I can't be... I hate you. I
1: so hate you. gaslighting is the biggest thing that narcissists do because they cannot... Their ego cannot endure being wrong. They have to make it your fault, or they have to tell you that it didn't happen the way that you think it happened.
0: And so that's like... And this is a... Um, A fine line, I think, especially uh, in today, I think people like me and you just I think people in general are being more open to the idea that like people have different perspectives and like people perceive uh, events differently and like narcissists play off of that and they uh, present their side of things. And you're like, well, when you really and they like want to open up and share this thing about like, you know, uh, really, you really want to know the truth. You really want to know why I didn't make it to Benihana's tonight? Well, <laughs> that's not something I like to talk about because, uh, I, uh, I saw it on a TV show and, uh, but anyway, like that, that's, I had to, <laughs> I went to, I went to prison for my brother and I got a tattoo on my back to get out and, uh.
1: At one point, this dude shows up to my house because now things are, I finally, he felt like a wolf in the hen house. Like I felt like there's an enemy among us in our fa- like our family's very close. And at first I just felt like I was screaming from the rooftops and nobody was listening. So
0: did he come over to befriend you?
1: He came over to the house to ask Jason to get your wife in check. And I could hear. Oh, I thought he was going
0: to come over to be like, hey, girlfriend. He'd already
1: tried that. He had no charisma, though. So like these guys are usually very charismatic and he had fucking none. I hate like. So he just he just feels like what he is. Garbage. And so he comes to the house and, and um, or actually he was in a group text message because they all work together. And I think Jason was his boss by this point. Dude uh, had sent out a text saying, I-, I want everyone to stop talking about me or whatever. And Jason was just, Jason, who by the way, one punch would murder this dude, uh, was like, yeah, cool, come to my house, whatever. Something he did between them. So dude shows up to the house. He's like, I'll be there in a minute. He gets to the house <laughs> Cause he's at my fucking sister's house half a block away and he's a creep. I don't like his vibe at all. So like my kids weren't allowed to spend the night at her house while they were boyfriend and girlfriend. Like I don't, he's, he's everything I don't like. And, um, he gets there and then Jason's like, cool. I think I'm going to get to hit this dude. Yeah. He's coming to my house. He's coming to my property. This is fantastic. Awesome. And then he gets there and he's like, listen, I just, can you get your wife in a check? And Jason was like, what? And he said, I mean, come on, like, can you like do something about Jessa? And he was like, have you fucking met her? I didn't (laughs) I didn't marry uh, a sandwich maker because I could get her in check. Like she has her own fucking mind. I'm not going to tell her what to do. She doesn't like you. And then he's like, come on, I think you could control this entire situation. Like you you're a leader. Everyone follows you. And dude, I hate it. He was so fucking jealous of Jason. He was so jealous of Jason. So then I come outside and uh, I'm like confidence of my husband standing there. Also, I'm very confrontational if I if I fucking hate you as much as I hate this dude. And so then he starts trying to talk to me. And I'm like, I think that you're garbage. I think that you are fucking garbage. I don't think you have one redeemable quality. I hate you. I wish you were dead. Like, I honestly wish you would die in nice. fire. And he was this. like, he said, uh, I don't know what the big deal is. It's not like I ever hit you. Or it's not like I ever hit her, which is like a nod to my past uh, oh. relationships on drugs and shit. And was like private stuff that my sister never should have told this scumbag, which immediately made me mad at my sister, which is exactly what the fuck he wanted. Hmm. And so. uh Damn. I stopped talking to my sister, which is exactly what... Like, I played right into his fucking Because part
0: of what they do is to isolate...
1: Isolate you from your family, yeah. And so, then she's just devastated that I'm not speaking to her. And now my family's mad at me because I'm not speaking to her. And I'm like, nobody wants to fucking listen to me. This dude's a nightmare. This dude's a fucking nightmare. And if my sister doesn't end up dead in her fucking house like nobody wants to listen to me this dude's a psychopath he has a million lies they could all be confirmed as lies he's insane and uh it got really bad and it went on for months and it finally ended with like us having to move his shit out of his house and call the cops and it, it like it didn't even end after that him he ruined our our disneyland vacation by going facebook live and faking a suicide attempt like he sucks. <laughs> Cause he lost his supply and he still fucks with her. Like he's it's years, it's years later. He still sends her shit and she's been in, you know, she's had to work her fucking ass off to get her mind back from what happened. And so, uh, another, uh, this one I'll just gloss over, but my daughter's mother-in-law is also a narcissist. And by now I'm just the narcissist slayer. <laughs> uh, I know everything First about of her you. name. I've read a hundred books about you motherfuckers and I will uh, cut your head off. And so the thing that narcissists do, and this is important for the rest of it, is that they they do subtle... When you're not the love bomber, right? the person they're feeding off of, they have to also fuck with other people, right? And so they do subtle things that make you look crazy if you point them out. Like they hurt you in subtle ways. They attack you. In subtle ways, but they're so subtle. They're so obvious to the recipient, but they're so subtle that you would look like a nutbag to point them out. And so my daughter and uh, her fiance had been together for a long time. And in the time that they were together, they like got together in high school, uh, his mother... Like banned her kids from her house so many times in that time. My daughter and I had like one fight in the last five years and uh, her fiance has been banished from his parents home and kicked out of his family 25 times
0: in in his life in five years.
1: In the time that they've been together. Like, oh, my God. She is nonstop pitting her children against each other, feeling sorry for her. Like, never she's fucking She's one of those nightmare stops. moms you hear. Nightmare narcissist, right? And, like, her husband just lays down and takes it because she's been feeding off of him for fucking 20 years. And she's, like, my age. I think they were young parents also. And um, she... Uh, Nicole was pregnant and she started doing it to Nicole and Nicole knows what's up. Nicole, like even with her traumatic childhood with me ending up on drugs, she was raised in good households because I only had her when I knew what the fuck I was doing. And then she was raised in a loving household where people didn't fight or feed off of each other. So she doesn't, it just bounces off of Nicole. Like Nicole's very self-aware and just, um, Knows what a narcissist is. She was right there when we went through this stuff with my sister. She sees it for what it is. But she's like pregnant. and She's hormonal, and this bitch is just taking fucking jabs at her. And finally, Nicole just like stands up for herself. And the second someone stands up for themselves, this chick is like, "Oh my god, I'm being persecuted." Texts everyone in the family. Tells everyone in the family that the birthday party is canceled. That Christmas is canceled. And that it's all you're not allowed here, and it's. All Nicole's fault. And, uh, I don't remember all the details, but there was a planning of the shower. I didn't want anything to do with this lady. I'm like, I don't even want to be in the same room with this lady ever. She has a daughter who's, uh, very similar to her who used to hang out with Nicole. And I had said once that I didn't like her energy. And she's just energy vampire ish. And for, I don't know what the fuck Nicole told her that or something. You know, they were teenagers. I think Nicole thought it was funny. And, uh, the girl was very offended by it. So anyway, I'm already not liked in this family. I don't care. I only care about the one that uh, Nikki has a baby with. But something happens. I'm already mad at this bitch. Like, I already want to tell this bitch to get fucked because she's trying to feed off of my daughter. And then she's in the chat. And then there's a woman who's throwing the shower because I'm getting ready to move to L.A. And she's just very nice to throw the shower. And then the daughter takes a shot at her in the chat. And I send it to Nikki. Nikki says something to her. And then the mom just loses it, right? And then they're the victims. And then they come make a huge presentation in the chat about how they're leaving. No one gives a fuck, right? So we're like, bye. And um, and then she tries to come after me. And it's like, oh, I like to handle things in person, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, if you're inviting me to this. And so I just sent her my address. Yeah. Uh, she was trying to threaten me. And I was just like, cool, what time works for you? <laughs> And then she tries to back out of it. And then I wake up on the day that she's supposed to come to my house with this, this big thing that takes so many fucking subtle shots at my daughter. Like, uh, you know, I know that you're busy chasing your career or whatever. So maybe you don't know that, uh, you know, Nikki is obviously self-conscious about her weight. Uh, I can see evidence of that just shots at her. And I just lit her the fuck up. Nice. And was like, hey, I was looking forward to one of those face to faces that you were so into. You're so fond of. Because yeah. she had said, like, you don't, uh, we made it this long without knowing each other. Like why, why stop a good thing? And I was like, yeah, our kids have been together for a long time. And in that amount of time, their fucking mother has disowned them like 20 times. I called her a narcissist. I told her about herself and I think I ended it with like, uh, and if you ever fucking talk to my daughter like that again, I'll fly 3000 miles across the country and we will have that fucking face to face. That was two and a half years ago. She has not stopped talking about it. Like she, she tried to punish Nikki for it. She went nuts on me. She was messaging me for like weeks and I just like, you're not going to get anything because you're trying to get something from me and you didn't get it. Really wish that my daughter didn't have to, to deal with one of these people. They're awful, but there is like, they want attention, but they want a very specific kind of attention. And when they don't get it, they want you to feel crazy. They want you to to like blow up a bunch of emotions, and the irony is, if you don't give them that, they do it. They go nuts.
0: Oh, <sighs> I don't know. It's just uh, people are.
1: Yeah, I would say get help, but there is no help for narcissists. So there's none. There's no, you can't go
0: to therapy or it, no. The no, narcissists don't recover. I think
1: they're like therapists won't see narcissists because they're constitutionally incapable of honesty.
0: Holy shit! Yeah. I'm gonna Google that. That sounds damn, damn. I, I don't mean, think it's all
1: therapists, had... but there are a lot of therapists that are just like, uh, "There's no point."
0: Mm. Fuck. All right. Well, you know, sucks for all you narcissists listening out there. <laughs> it's on you now. I guess.
1: I guess I don't know. the 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 more evolved part of me says that he had to have endured, and she had, you know that narcissist had to have endured some type of childhood trauma this is how it's developed I don't know I'm, I don't have I'm not a fucking psychiatrist but the stuff that I've read is that it comes from trauma in childhood and so when I think about it that way it makes me sad but this is the same thing with child molesters, that they're usually victims of sexual abuse themselves, and it's hard to feel bad for their trauma. It's hard to feel bad for them when they are perpetrating, turning other people into victims, and so if you are a narcissist and you just bully people for no fucking reason or use the object of your affection as a source of some type of, like, energy vampirism, sorry that your childhood sucked. Sorry that you didn't figure out how to fix it without becoming a complete garbage human being. But if you are on the receiving end of a narcissist bullshit, just cut them out. Like, cut them completely out of your reality. I know people whose parents are narcissists, who their husband, wife, like, whatever is narcissist, like, they're bad, they're bad. They just do damage. They just leave wreckage in their past. They just fuck with you. Just cut them out and move on. If you don't know what a narcissist is, I strongly recommend, like, looking into it because it's such an obvious, like... Personality type like Trump is such a textbook narcissist. It's really interesting. Just like I now I can see him from a million miles away. Just the like the real subtle shit. I'm like, oh, I know exactly what you are. Let me write you write the fuck out of this script. Do not fuck with me if you are a narcissist because as I mentioned earlier in this episode, my name is Jessa and I am a I almost said Vampire Slayer.
0: (laughs) Yeah. he made it he's a success story for you uh skin crawlers I mean, out you have there the money
1: you have to have yeah. something like there's like a like a triangle of things that you have to have and it's like money uh to be remotely appealing to look at or to have a personality you don't get to have none of those things uh and then bully people
0: oh yeah man know your role uh-huh. shut your mouth <laughs> You've uh, been listening to Mormon and the Methhead, Head and, Getting hella
1: catty Getting hella,
0: <laughs> hella catty um, And uh, we, uh, we apologize Next week we'll be back with our regularly scheduled um,
1: Spiritual uh, <laughs> humility Yeah
0: <laughs> Until then though uh, We hope you guys have a great week Bye <laughs> If you put a Mormon and a meth head together, this is what they sound like. Aaron Woodall all and just a let's listen to them talking to Mike. Mormon and a meth head, Mormon and a meth head,
1: Mormon and a meth head. And a, meth. And
0: a podcast. <clears throat> a podcast network.